2: re right, Maras, how's it, gone? Welcome back to the Blue Army Podcast. I am your host, Skelly, and I know why you are all here today. You are all here because you've heard about our podcasting world's first exclusive interview with Derek Holmes. Now, this isn't just five minutes. This isn't just 15 minutes. This is almost an hour. Derek was very very generous with his time and we were incredibly lucky to have such an honest person talk to us, and I don't want to keep you waiting on for too long, but while I do possibly have a slightly larger audience than I normally would have, I'd like to point you in the right directions of our social media, so that's at the Blue Army Podcast on Instagram if you type in the Blue Army Podcast on Facebook, you'll find our Facebook page, Uh, we're on Spotify, Podbean, and Apple Podcasts as far as downloads go, so please please leave us a like, uh, leave us a little bit of a rating if you feel that way inclined. That'll be much appreciated and it's only going to help us get better at what we do here at the Blue Army Podcast. Anyway, this is episode 18. This will kick off our summer schedule. We have a few things lined up for the summer. I have another interview that has been agreed in theory and I'll don't want to say anything about it yet because I don't like putting particular people on the spot and uh, if I say something here that might mean that they feel that they have to do it now and the pressure will kick in and it won't feel quite as fun when we come to actually have a conversation. So I'm not going to tell you the new potential interview but it has been very receptive. Also... Derek himself has been very open to the fact that he's willing to give us a second shot at asking him some questions. Derek himself has been very generous with his time and has offered to answer some of your questions. So after you've heard the interview today, and there's a couple of things that you want to know about Derek, not just his time at Carlisle United, you can ask about his time at any of the clubs that he played for in his career, email it over to thebluearmypod at gmail.com. That again is thebluearmypod at gmail.com. Email over any questions that you might have for Derek and we're going to have him back on the show. We're going to have a conversation with him and I'll put forward those questions that you guys have given me. And we just want to thank Derek again for being so generous with his time. I had a lot of fun doing this interview with him and he's said that he had a lot of fun also. So that's probably the biggest compliment I could possibly ask for off the back of this. So... I'm not going to keep this hanging on for too long. I feel like I've plugged my social medias, and um, as tradition on the Blue Army Podcast, we have to do the Blue Army podcast joke of the week. Is he having a laugh? I think he's trying to. It's the, the blue blue e- army ar- <laughs> Gets crazier every time. If if this is your first time clicking on the Blue Army podcast, this is a tradition we like to kick off our show with, just to put everybody in a good mood before we dive in to the main nugget of what the show is. So, here is the joke of the week. What sound does a nut make when it sneezes? KASHOO! Cashew. That's supposed to sound like I'm sneezing, but I'm also saying the word cashew at the same time because, you know, cashew's a nut. Yeah. <laughs> what sound does a nut make when it sneezes? Cashew. Ah, Bless you, mate. Bless you. (laughs) Right, well, um, I'm sure I've picked up a couple of permanent subscribers off the back of that joke. (laughs) And uh, without further ado, let's dive into the interview with Derek Holmes. I've written a coolly edited introduction to sort of get your mind set and framed around the man himself. And then obviously me and Derek are just going to dive straight in with a back and forth Thanks a lot and uh, I'll be back to talk to you again at the end. Bye for now. Yes, that's right. A double promotion winning ex carlisle United cult favourite is joining me on the pod today. Let me tell you all about him. Our guest, Derek Holmes, is a former professional footballer who crossed borders to clock up over five appearances during a 13-year playing career, picking up five promotion medals along his way. Derek Born in Scotland on the 11th of October 1978, grew up in Lanark. He caught the eye of Hearts scouts in his early teens and made the move across to Tynecastle to develop his footballing education. It was only a few years later when Holmes signed his first professional contract with Hearts and in between two loan spells away from the club was given the opportunity to play in the UEFA European Cup. Winners' Cup, home and away against Rail Mallorca. At the age of 21, the young Scotsman made his move to Ross County, where he picked up his first honour, earning promotion in his first season. It was only a short stay, as following a loan spell, Derek made his way permanently to the south coast of England, making the switch to Bournemouth. It was at Bournemouth, where during a four-year stay, the big man would add another promotion medal and notch up over a 100 appearances, becoming a Cherries' favourite. And it was soon after this milestone, Holmes joined Carlisle United, and it's this period of time that I'm excited to talk to him about. Please welcome former Carlisle United target man, Derek Holmes. Hello. Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, there we go. Can you hear me? Can you hear me, yeah? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you, mate. How are you doing? You all right? Thanks very much for joining me. Not too bad.
3: No, you're OK, buddy. You're OK. No, you're OK. I just, uh, I'm doing a wee voice football, sir. Uh, I thought he was off tonight. He's in at Rangers at the moment. so. Uh, but he wanted to go
2: to his boys' club football. So, no, we're all right. We're good to go. I see you doing the runarounds, is it? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> right, OK, mate. Um, after 100 games at Bournemouth, you made a long move up north to Carlisle. Uh, do you remember any of the other teams that were interested in you at the time? Were they maybe a little bit closer to Bournemouth? Were you, were you trying to move closer to home where you originated your career?
3: No, at the time... I was uh, we actually played Carlisle in the FA Cup, and my wife was pregnant at the time. I can always remember, and it just came out of the blue because I was actually in negotiations to sign again with the uh, Bournemouth. They were looking to keep me, and my wife just she always fancied having the baby up uh, back back home. So right out of the blue. I think, I think I actually played the night against Kaleo and actually got my name match so that's probably why Paul was probably interested in signing me but not, my agent phoned me and he just says how does Kaleo interest you and I thought it sounded really good, it was a good project and it kind of materialised quite quickly. I had uh, someone gave me a phone a couple of times and then it kind of materialised and it wasn't uh, before I knew it. I played the game on the Tuesday night, can't remember who it was against and that was my final game the next day I was on the road and I'd signed.
2: You signed for Carlisle, and um, it was it was it was sort of January February time when you signed for Carlisle, was it, or, or, or my, is my information wrong there?
3: No, it was. As I say, we played. I'm sure it was the FA Cup. We played Carlisle in the FA Cup, eh, and I think I'm sure we won. And yeah, it was a January February time. So I can mind it. it was a Tuesday night, and then I think it was maybe three or four weeks after that. Uh, maybe even sooner and yeah it was, uh, was kind of I'm sure, I'm sure it was the end of January the deal got done but as I say it happened really quickly
2: You joined a team that was chasing promotion from the conference it was quite a confident team and there was a bit of competition up front when you arrived as well with uh, Carl Hawley and Magno Vieira how do you feel you were slotted into the Carlisle squad at the time were you welcomed with open arms or was a couple of raised eyebrows who's this big Scottish lad that's coming in
3: no, it was, no, listen, the boys were fantastic. And uh, I kind of knew Tommy Coon from, uh, from, obviously, Bill Scott when uh, he was there. But no, when I first went there from day one, honestly, the boys were fantastic. Uh, I think, I'm trying to think, I think it was Magno I started playing up front with to begin with. And then I'm sure, I'm sure it was Glenn Murray who came in and very similar. Uh, he was probably faster than me, but apart from that, very very similar. And no, I enjoyed it. It was healthy competition, and you know, Carol was obviously. I think Carol was probably more the second season, where when we were in the we we're in the league that kind of uh, blossomed since, since from from then.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, so at the end of the season, it was a very successful campaign. We were second in the league, and we went into the playoffs. The playoff semi-final against Aldershot was an absolute roller coaster uh, of a first leg and a second <laughs> leg. Do you have any memories from the first and second legs? Maybe your heart racing on a couple of occasions. My personal favourite being Chris Billy steamrolling in for his goal. That was fantastic.
3: Yeah, uh, the first leg. It was very. It was a warm day, and I don't think much happened during the day. But the second leg is just, it was it was a phenomenal night. We we managed to use, we scored. Chris Billy, I don't know how he had the energy. You know, he'd never done that all season. But he scored a fantastic goal, and it was a roller coaster. I thought we, I thought we were going to do it in the ninety minutes then. Obviously, they got a goal and it could have sunk his, but the penalties were unbelievable, weren't they? And you watch wow. the penalty kicks, you <laughs> still watch it it's now on YouTube. Uh, Matty Glennon, unbelievable. Uh, just turnaround, I can remember. For, for it was, it was, it was, it was, it was, unbel- as I said, it was unbelievable. I can, can always remember, you know, regardless of the situation, somewhere. You always thought we were still gonna do it as if we deserved to do it. So when he saved the penalties as if it was it was meant to be, you know, and then I think was it was it was it Dan Livesay or was it was it Peter Murphy who scored the winning the winning penalty? But uh, I don't think you'll ever get a night like that again.
2: No, it was something special. Definitely went down um, in in my heart as a a young blue. Uh, So obviously we went to the final after that. We played at the Britannia for the conference playoff championship. Uh, do you have um, memories of nerves going into that final? You've you won a couple of promotions before you arrived at Carlisle, so it wasn't your first time um, sort of going through the motions and and uh, maintaining competitive nature towards the end of the season. Um, how did you feel going into the final? Were you OK personally? Was the team looking a bit nervy maybe? Did you believe we were going to win? No, personally, thinking back, I was OK, as you say, as I've kind of,
3: been in that position before but no the squad in a, in a whole it was a very relaxed kind of few days week preparing for the game we always thought getting into the game we were confident the game itself can mind in any changing room the manager just telling us that have no regrets you're going to go out it's a 90 minute game hopefully and hopefully we can win and if we played the way we knew we could play then we knew we would win but we always knew it a playoff final, a cup final, any sort of final, it's just a one-off game. But thankfully, thankfully we won. And, you know, and you've seen the emotion after the game and, you know, Peter scored a fantastic goal, but it was a great day, great occasion. It was great for the fans, you know. I think it was something like 14,000 fans came down or something or whatever. And, you know, it was a fantastic day, especially from what happened throughout the season. Obviously, I just joined in the January, as we said, but obviously with the floods and things, is it the club got some sort of reward at the end of
2: the season? Yeah, it was it was, it was quite a community bonding uh, campaign, absolutely. Um, so can I just can I just zero in on that final? Sorry, um, I've recently yeah. just watched the highlights today, and when the ball came <laughs> in towards Peter Murphy, did you know he was behind you? Could did you hear him shout, or were you just competing with the defender? What went on there? Do you remember at all? I was just kind I knew he was kind of behind me, and he did shoot. Because you just hear the,
3: the Irish accent, Murphs, That's what we shoot, Murphs all the time. But I can mind it, I can mind the ball coming in, and I think more than anything for myself, from one point of view, I was looking to ball on. Thank goodness for never, because if I did, they wouldn't have got the connection. But it was just tad too high, and thankfully the big man was there, and what well, was a great finish. You know, it was a great finish, and uh, it was it was just an unbelievable day.
2: Yeah, great day out in Stoke. So, after the playoff final, we've won promotion. We're going up to League Two. Um, so, pre season, there's a few new signings knocking about the place. A few people have maybe gone and moved on. Are you thinking at the beginning of that season that back to back promotion is a real possibility?
3: No, no chance. No, <laughs> not fucking. It's, it's just uh, you get someone out the road. You come back in and you just, you just think, you just want to stay in the division, and it is the old, it's so what everyone will say. Just take each game as it comes, and but we just wanted to stay in the division. But as the season went on, you can, you can get a feel. and we did do well, and you know, and then it was just another fairy tale story for the
2: club was there a part of the season or maybe a game uh, a month that you remember being the week that you believe that hang on a minute we might have a pop at this
3: i can see, see if i see if I, if i'm honest i can something's coming back to to say what after christmas we never even ever spoke about it you know we just <laughs> kind of we just kind of kept going it was like it was like a train journey we were just and we were getting results and Regardless of where we were playing or who we were playing, it was just always obviously the belief gets more and more as you keep going. And but no, I, it's, it's what I can remember. No, we never really ever ever spoke about it. Even up until I think it was who did we play on the Saturday that I think we could have got was it Toffkey because I mean them beating us three nothing at home and was it three and we were terrible absolutely terrible and I can always mind someone coming in the changing room and he went absolutely through myself went through Bridgie, and we're just saying wait a wee minute this is we've been unbelievable all season but that just showed you that the the job wasn't done and we went to Rochdale on the Tuesday night and uh, I think did we draw one each but that was enough I'm sure that was enough and uh I don't know if that was to win the league or to get promoted. I think I was for, for, for promotion. Uh, but I'll never forget that Saturday we went in full time. Oh, we got it doing. And I think, was it, I'm sure it was Toth And they, I think they would get relegated. And that was probably the worst performance of the season. And oh, he went through us, went absolutely through I And we knew we were going to get promoted then. We knew that, but it just showed you the character of the squad and that the job was never done.
2: it was shifted so at the beginning of the season like we mentioned earlier on there was a lot of competition up front um, and Paul Simpson normally favoured a 4-4-2 so obviously there 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 was only enough room for two strikers with yourself, Glenn Murray Magno Vieira, Carl Hawley and then they added Michael Bridges to the mix. Do you remember hearing any rumours at all uh, before Michael Bridges arrived? And did it did it just did it lift the squad? Did it make people a little bit nervy? They might lose the position. What was the sort of reaction to such a big name coming into Carlisle? Thinking back, you no, know, I don't. I don't think.
3: Uh, I can't remember any rumours. You know, obviously when Bridges came in, he knew a few of the boys, Lummy and people like that. No, as a player, obviously you always fear that another striker coming in and they could take your position, take Andy's position. But I always believed that I was a different type of striker. They, they kind of people. And if I remember correctly, he couldn't play in the cup, could he? Was that was it? Was it the cup? He couldn't. Yeah, uh, I was it, maybe that was a year after when he came back on loan. But no, Simo did love a four-four-two, and when Bridgie came in. I don't know, I don't know, I can't recall maybe a certain game, but somewhere along the line, the three clicked, you know, and I always say I was the donkey man, I always done the donkey work for them. I was a man who, who won the headers and took the hits and they two could do whatever they wanted, you know, but it worked. It just kind of worked, you know, because I was never quick. I was never, I, I, I could score goals to be fair, but I was never a prolific goal scorer. But they too were just phenomenal. That season especially. especially if I, Sometimes, even with Bridgie, he was fantastic. What a player, even in training. But sometimes you would do things and you would just just look at him and say, how did you manage to do that? He would score goals. and But nothing fantastic player. In and, and then around the changing room, obviously you knew what he'd done in his career. And he wasn't finished. As we all know, that season he managed to get another move. But now nah, he was a top, top, top player
2: personal another personal hero but you are right actually during that season you made yourself a bit of a cult hero status by doing a lot of the busy work to to, to make those uh, to make your fellow strikers uh, look a bit better i suppose that campaign wasn't just successful in terms of league stature we obviously went to the menelium stadium that year Um, As a League Two side going up against the League One side and a very good League One side at that, what were your feelings going into that game? Were you just sort of in it to enjoy it? Did you did you sort of did you believe that we had a sniff at it, or were you just uh, wanting to take in the moment? Or did Millennium Stadium wasn't really the thing you ever dreamed of, and you kind of wanted Wembley or nothing? What was your impressions going into the day? I'd already obviously
3: I was fortunate enough to be play there with Bournemouth. in a playoff final, but it was different when we played, especially when you were against Swansea. Uh, obviously, they would bring phenomenal support, so the stadium that day was absolutely unbelievable. Uh, you always believe as a club that you will you you will win the you will win the game, but they were a good team, you know. And we got, I think we could we got off to the worst possible start. The, uh, Trundle scored an absolute phenomenal goal. But when the game settled down, I think I think we played well. I think in times, I can remember, I think I missed a chance. Uh, it was the exact opposite. Carol Holley headed the ball down to myself and the keeper managed to save it. But no, it was a great day and you've got to savour those days because there's no many times you get to a cup final regardless of, say, a cup final is a, a fantastic occasion. But no, we always believed we could win. The confidence was high. As I say, we were doing well in the league. We had a good squad, good good morale you know and but unfortunately on the day they were you just got to take your hat off and say they were too good
2: yeah yeah i mean it, i i have to say the season as a whole was still a fantastic season the, the cup run was just the icing on top of the cake of obviously at the end of the season uh, we go up as champions this time you get to add another promotion medal to your growing collection of promotion medals um <laughs> The success is steamrolling now. It's back-to-back promotions and a lot of these players have been here with Simpson for for both of these campaigns. Was there a little bit uh, of rumours before going into the next season that the success might be traded for a move and Simpson would be moving on as he did move on to Preston? Well, I got a phone call saying that he was was moving, but
3: you always knew that with back-to-back promotions, there was always going to be a team's sniffing about them, as they would say. And honestly, I can't speak highly. He was a great manager. Him and Den, Dennis. And they just all worked, it worked well. I couldn't tell you how well it did work because it was like a married man that made in heaven. The match made in heaven because everyone just clicked. So when they, when they got his move, I wasn't really surprised and then obviously it was a search for the new manager Neil MacDonald came in, so it was like a clean slate again, the back-to-back promotions and everything that had went with the similar era had gone, it was a a new challenge, a new chapter because the new manager was coming in, so everybody had to go and prove themselves again I suppose
2: did you did you know much about the new manager coming in? I think it was it was his first full time manager's job when he came into the role there. Did did you did you have um, any insider knowledge? Did you make some phone calls?
3: No, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I didn't know him. Uh, obviously, a few of the lads had known who he was, uh, but yeah, it was his first kind of manager was a number one, and he came in. And to be fair, he stamped his authority. Right from the get-go, we went in to pre-season, he, he demanded, he set out his stall, demand, he demanded what his, the way he wanted to play, so no, he was he was quite good that, that way, and obviously he brought Greg in, was it did he, he bring Greg Abbott in, did he bring Greg straight away in, and Greg was another again, another new coach great guy, great lad still keep in touch with him now if, but uh, it was just as I say it was just like it was I'm not saying it was like a different club different dressing room we just had to I always thought we had to prove ourselves again it doesn't matter how well you have done the two seasons before it was like a, a new chapter it was, like going to, it was like joining the club again <laughs>
2: He he took over right at the beginning of pre-season. With, how how different was his pre-season to, to Paul Simpson's pre-season? Because obviously, like you said, um, he was coming into a new club. So it was like a brand new sort of like uh, everyone had to prove themselves from ground zero again. But do you feel like he was um, completely different to Simpson in the way that um, he was... A bit more developed, maybe? He'd, he'd been in school a little bit longer and not necessarily had the chance to practice his theories as much?
3: Pre-season, it was, it was very... It was very drilled, if I can remember. But I think we went back... If I can recall, we went back... Was it Thursday? Wednesday? I think we went back Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday. But we were flying out to a pre on the Saturday, which I can always mind them saying that he wasn't really wanting to do it, but obviously it was done and booked before he obviously came in, so we had to honour it. Uh, we were going to Spain, so it was it was a, like a quick turnaround. We were coming in. There was a lot of ru- I see a lot of running, but it was a lot of running with the ball. We done a lot of running with the ball. The ball was out, so it was a the balls were out straight away, which I'm not saying we, we weren't used to, but it was so quickly. We had to get up to speed very, very quick. And he's it wasn't major running. It was a lot a of kinda of short, sharp running, if you know what I mean. The and then it was a lot of games and then we went and played Penrith on the Saturday morning. Yeah. Uh, which was just a case. He always set his stall out. It was two teams and then that stuck together and then they would get more as the weeks went on we'd get more and more and more but no he set his stall out he was very routine he was very organised he was he kind of stuck to a plan that like event anything else in the age of it's no broken don't fix it but he's no he was he, he was good he was, but he was different he was different to some way he liked to play a game at cards on the coach and things like that you know he, t- he tried to interact with the boys uh, but he had a serious side to him as well, and no, you didn't want to cross him. <laughs> when there was a few games, you didn't want to cross him. It was, he was, he was ang- an angry man at times.
2: It's, when Simo did leave, it seemed like one of the worst kept secrets in the world that Carl Hawley was eventually going to follow uh, him to Preston as, as a fan anyway. I believe seeing Carl Hawley walking around the town centre with a shirt on with a question mark in the middle of it. And I thought that was that was quite fun. <laughs> um, so During that time, everybody thought Carl Hawley was probably going to leave at the beginning of that season. But it wasn't to be Carl that left on transfer deadline day. Michael Bridges made the move to Hull and you had made a really good partnership up front with Michael. And um, obviously that was probably going to be our main strike force going into the League One season. Did that affect your mindset when Michael went? Were you wondering, well... What, what do we do now? What's the game plan? What's the formation? What are we doing? What are we doing next? That's a strange move to make. Obviously, it's difficult to yeah. convince Michael not to move. <laughs> no, it was
3: obviously, listen, Hulls came in, big club. You know, he'd done, he'd done really well. But I think as well, as what we say, is with a similar thing. It's like any other club or anything at all. You know, a manager will come back in and maybe... Maybe try and steal players from the club that's virtually gotten the move. But as you say, Cal didn't go, Cal stayed. And when Michael went, obviously, you know, Neil's going to bring in his own players, obviously, people that he thinks. And if Michael go, when, when, when Bridgie went, you almost know that he's going to bring in more, more strikers. And if the, he's going to bring in his own type of player that he wants. Uh, no, as a, as a striker, you just kinda, you're just kind of just trying to go, go on with it. And if you're put up front with someone, obviously, as you, as you said earlier, myself and Carol and Michael formed a, a decent relationship between the three. As you know, we knew each other's jobs. We understood each other and it kind of clicked and gelled. So you always have that wee thing in the back of your head, regardless of who comes in, is it going to work? And then if it isn't going to work, do you th- think it's going to be you that will be dropped because you you weren't the player that Neil in? It
2: was, a, it was a very competitive season. There was a lot of uh, changes in the squad, a lot of people going in and out, and maybe um, you found yourself in and out of the squad a bit more than you had done in previous seasons. Did you feel as though your time at Carlisle was coming to an end during that season, were you thinking about signing another contract, or were you, was your heart maybe wandering elsewhere after after Paul Simpson left?
3: No, uh, not in the beginning. No, uh, if I take you back when summer was there, I can always remember Livingston back home coming in to try and sign me, and I think they bid some money, and I rejected it. I can't remember. I just, I just was loving it. Too much, you know, I didn't want to go back home. I was SPL at the time, and, you know, Paul Lambert was the manager at the time, so I remember that. But, again, I can mind as you say that I was kind of, I knew I wasn't first choice. So I can always remember having a conversation when I went to see him, and he joked, he turned around and says, he says, he says, I don't want you to leave. He says, "He says, at the end of the day, you're part of this." And I was always part of the squad. I was never left out of the squad. I was always either playing, I was on the bench so I can always mind him saying he says the only reason I'll let you, it was one night I can't remember he says the only reason i will let you go it must have been after the Christmas he says I always remember him saying, I'm saying I don't want you to leave he says but he says I'll get uh, if I'm going to let you go I'll no be for less than 50 grand he says to me and I says you're kidding on I says the days have passed now he says I says to him he says I'm telling you because what I will say is I felt I felt a lot fitter under Neil and they always, and they always did say that he says you're fatter, you're stronger and when we played reserve games he kind of looked after the senior pros but anyway going back to what I'm saying I can always mind Chester come in for me and they bid 50 grand and he phoned me and he says well Chester wants to, Chester want to uh, sign you the bid 50 grand and he says I told you he didn't, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't use those words he says I told you he says but it's entirely up to yourself whether you want to go. He says, but we were playing Sheffield Wednesday, and the, the I, don't know, I, I can always remember playing Sheffield Wednesday that night because it was a Tuesday. And he says, but regardless of what happens, he says you'll still be involved tonight. And I went, okay. So I thought I decided I didn't I didn't want to go. I says because I was enjoying it, you know. So I went down on a Tuesday night and. I can always mind walking in. You know, if you walk into Brunton Park, I don't, it's been a while for I was there, but if the the desk was still on the right-hand side and the manager's office was on the left-hand side, and always mind in. I was sorting my tickets out. I was Whoever was in, I was just talking away and I can just mind the door opening and the whistle. He always whistled at you and you looked down and he says, so what are you going to do then? And I says, Nah, I've decided I'm going to stay. And to be fair, he just went, no problem. Just shut the door and that was it. So I always get a a great relationship with him. And I can mind, I'm always saying to me, when I spoke to him about getting a new contract, he says he was undecided in giving me a new contract. He says as much as I was always involved, he always thought taking the club forward. And he was looking to take the club forward into the championship. And he wasn't quite sure whether myself the type of player I was could play in the championship, which you can understand because managers are managers at the end of the day. And then when it came to the end of the season, he'd turned around and said he wasn't going to offer me anything. Which, to me, I was was gutted at the time because I thought to myself, I'd probably earned the right to maybe have another year and another crack at it. The club was great, but that's just football. And I had a few options to go elsewhere I, I always wanted Carlisle to offer me the new contract, It didn't materialise. So obviously, in the end, I ended up signing for Rotherham. Yeah,
2: it was it was um, unfortunately a, sh- a short stay at Carlisle, just the, just the two and a half seasons. Um, but a short, very successful stay. When when you did leave at the end of the season, the contract wasn't offered, and. Um, what made you choose Rotherham over uh, Livingston, who showed interest previously in Chester? Were their offers withdrawn at that point, or was was Rotherham? What made Rotherham the team? Sorry, I don't know. I don't
3: really. It just just sounded appealing. I can mind going down. We played them, and it was, it was a decent decent club. And I, I spoke to Mark Robbins, and he sounded a decent guy. You know, again, the appeal to going back home. I don't know. I don't know. I just always wanted to just play. I thought my time in England wasn't finished and I enjoyed, enjoyed going to the stadiums and other them. They were going to... When I spoke to Mark Robbins, Mark Robbins actually said to me, they were 60% or 70% won't sign me if they stayed in the division, but they were 100% if they got relegated and ended up... They, 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 they got relegated and they went to the League 2 it was at the time. No, when, when I did sign eventually because it took a wee bit of time, but when I did, I knew I'd made the right choice, and you know. But I was, as I says, I can always mind when I went to see Neil. So some of the players at Kaleo were a wee bit shocked that I never got offered anything. But footballs, it's a funny world, you know. But as you say, it was short—two and a half years, very, very successful. But a long live my memory, as you say, with some of the games that we played and obviously the success that we had. It was just, it was a team where it just kind of gelled. It was great.
2: It was a really great time for the club. The back to back promotions, uh, you definitely stamped your place in in that start in 11 if you had to put a squad together uh, of players that would remind you of that time period of Carlisle United. Thank you very much for um, taking us through a little. Time of your um a little history of your time at Carlisle United. I've just got a couple of, of of off the cuff sort of questions. If you've got a couple more minutes, Derek. No, no, I've got as much time as you like. Don't worry. Oh, fantastic. Lovely, lovely. I'll get through some of these. Um your favorite uh, Carlisle United teammate? Uh, do you have um one person that sticks in your memory as somebody that welcomed you to the club straight away and um, stuck with you the whole time. Or maybe somebody that grew on you more than anyone else did. Grew on me. <laughs>
3: uh, <laughs> no. Well, when I went, when we stayed in hotels, I shared the room with Glenn Murray, who a great guy. Now, I don't think I really had i probably say Murph was was good when I we went into training in the morning. He's my head tennis partner. But no, I mean I never really had anybody. Obviously, Carol's a striking partnership. Was, was we, we got on me a good laugh but nah, we, we don't, I don't really think that we we were all just kind of all good mates to be fair I was just one of the people that just kind of that got on me everyone but when it came to certain things obviously I say Muff was my head tennis partner in the morning and to be fair if you ever speak to him you tell him about it we were the, we were the top two <laughs> nobody could beat us Always oh, used to get in the morning, and it was uh, Brendan McGillan, uh who was his partner again. Do, 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 was it Livesey? They always always tried to beat us, but now nah, they could never do it. So no, I never really had a specific person that, that I would say was my, my 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 good mate.
2: I would say you you probably kept Glenn Murray out of the Carlisle starting lineup for for most of that two and a half years. Yeah, look at um, that. Went. I know! <laughs> did you did you did you think that that was inevitable? Did you think when he got his opportunity he was gonna take it and run with it? Or was it a complete a stab in the dark and a shock for you when he when he climbed as high as he climbed for as long as he did? I tell you what
3: what didn't surprise me was he was an unbelievable finisher. And and when he when he got a chance and when I look when I think about it now, when when when, when I played against him I, I played not against him, played with him. I enjoyed enjoyed playing alongside him. For the simple reason is we kinda of done the same thing and took the heat off each other because he could win headers, he could hold the ball up, you know. I was saying I was probably stronger, but he, he was he was quicker. But what I will say is he wasn't for for his height and he, he was quick but he could finish. You know, he, he, he was he was sharp he could, could finish. So playing at the level I played it I would maybe say, we. I'm not saying surprised, but no, nah, regardless to what level, if he got the chances, he would always score a top player.
2: Who was uh, the, the jokester in the changing room at your time period? Who was the person that would pull most of the pranks? And if you can, uh, can you, can you recall don't, don't, maybe one of I those pranks?
3: I don't think I, I would really need to tell you who it is. Uh, Lommie. <laughs> Lommie was, oh, they were always up to no good. Him, I don't mind, uh, what was his name? Who was the other? I mean, the Jody boy, Chris. Oh, I can't even mind his second name. He came on, he came on. McLennan, was it
2: McLennan? McLennan, Glenn McLennan.
3: McLennan. See them, honest to God. Every day, they would always bump to something. They would always bump to something.
2: <laughs> Where,
3: whether it was stealing stuff or just anything at all, pranks. Uh <laughs> When I, when, I, when I think back, Carol Hall, I liked a wee bit of mis- mischief as well. No, they never really, well, no, they never done anything to me. <laughs> uh, not, not, that I can, not that I can recall. Yeah, But no, no, Lummy was always at the centre of something. Always at the centre of something. Uh, I was taking the Michael out, he, he just took the Michael out every, every day. Every day, it would, just, it would just hit on someone. But it was all good fun.
2: <laughs> right, so we're at the Christmas do now, Derek, and uh, the dance floor's over there. And there's a couple of people throwing shapes. Who's the most um, erratic on the dance floor? Who's who's the, who's the craziest dancer over there? And also, who's the smoothest mover? Oh Jesus! <laughs> oh.
3: But because Billy liked to be dance, if I recall. Big sheeps, big sheep I don't know if it'd be erratic. I don't know but, but kinda I would I would put that into. Uh, Murph probably thought it was a bit of something, you know. He liked he liked to do a bit. But no, I was never myself, I was more a barman, I would stand and watch all that kind of kinda, kinda kinda stuff <laughs> if, if if you're asking me, I was never going on the dance floor. You know, I was uh, stuff as a board as a lot of people would probably say, but no, nah, seems like to be but a, throwing a
2: few shapes and you know, Tommy Coon probably fancied himself as a bit of a mover. Now, um, Kevin Gray is definitely a bit of a legend around Carlisle. The way that he used to absolutely steam out of the uh, out of the tunnel before every single game, and then I mentioned the word steam there. Obviously, his enthusiasm for the locomotives. Um, what was what was he like as a leader? Because he was obviously the captain while you were at Carlisle United. What, what, what did you did you enjoy his his captaincy? I would say his tenure.
3: Yeah, Kev was. It does exactly what it says on the biscuit, tin Honestly, it was it was hard as nails. It was great in the air. It was a proper, proper centre half. You know, very, very tough to play against. Even in training, didn't matter. He would, he would, he would train. If you ever see a pro, that they'll obviously train how you would play. And obviously, sometimes you would do things. And but now he would, he would tackle you as if you were an opposition player whether it was a Monday or whether it was a Friday. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if you know, up here you see the likes, of, the likes of Scott Brown and Kieran Tierney, who when they train, they just wear shorts and T-shirt. That's Kev. That's Kev over the back. You know, regardless of the weather, regardless of, Kev would just went out with shorts and shorts, T-shirt, socks pulled up. It wouldn't have mattered. You know, but uh, great leader. He would, he, he would always give you a kick up the backside when you needed it but we'd praise you when you needed it as well you know he was he was a greatly done L- listen the proofs and the pudding you know we won two we didn't win we got two two promotions one championship and he was he was a skipper so proofs and the pudding great great leader
2: now i um i've read somewhere that you yourself have gone into management is that right I did do that, I
3: had I had a wee, uh, had a wee shot, but I, unfortunately I had to get a hip replacement because all that running I had to do for bridging that, so uh, <laughs> no, I gave that up, <laughs> but no, all good, I, I've, I've, uh, I've completed my badges there, so I'll look to get back into coaching at some point, so I mean- and, uh, no, on you go.
2: Sorry. Um, I mean, like, obviously you played under a number of managers. Was there any time when you when you were managing that you maybe stole a, uh, a team talk from from the past maybe? And, and can you maybe recite that team talk that you might have stolen? Or maybe just tell us the best team talk you received, the one that stands out in your head for any reason.
3: No, no, no. I think, I think it, it's like the old, the old cliche where, where you would always say, you always take wee bits from everybody, you know? And if you look at the time at Carlisle, Simo was always very—I'm not saying he would be serious, but he knew what to say. But Dennis was always the one that would crack the joke, and whenever we needed grounded or whenever we needed it, he was the man that would come in. So I'd always say, if I'm taking in, you just need to know when to be serious and when to be when to have a a kind of relaxed approach. The hard thing is when you're a when you're the manager, which I found I wouldn't say difficult, but you've always got to keep that distance between you and the you and the players. There's got to have that kind of gap. And someone was very good at it because when I first went, if you remember, he did play for a wee while as well. Mm-hmm. You know, he did play on the left hand side. So he had to come in and out that which I found difficult as well when we played because he didn't know whether you could slag him or shoot at him. When we played, yeah. because he'd it, end up just taking you off. But no, nah, I I would never. I always take wee, wee, wee bits and for the coaching and that. It's always got to be the good bits, you know. But uh, no, nah, it's. Uh, I can't really recall any any, any particular moment. What, what I would say? I always there was always this manager when I played with Queen of like a man called Kenny Branigan, and he, he he he's 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 probably the older version of Kevin Gray. He's got he's got hands like and he always uh, and gets it easy not that we'd ever say that I would never say that but it always sticks in my and the way he would say it is in a pure broad Scottish accent that if I said it none of your listeners would understand but
2: uh, we're pretty close to the border we've got a good Scottish here
3: ah uh, but he's from he's from like the dark side of Glasgow he's ah. from like he, he talks very very you need. Even I needed subtitles a couple of times to understand them. <laughs> Do
2: you have a kit that stands out as maybe the one you felt least comfortable in, the one that you, you just really disliked? It wasn't cool, and and, and it just you must nah. you must
3: mind that green one, that green, that green. One. <laughs> the I don't think we wore it. I don't. I don't think we wore it that often. <laughs> I can always mind that it. it was terrible. I love that deck chair. More, How more, can you, hate the deck chair? And you And you've probably got it. And it's probably your favourite shot. <laughs> uh, it's got your name on the back. No, I don't think so. But, uh, <laughs> nah, no. Nah. But, the only ones that we had after that was the, obviously, the home kit was just very blue and white, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, it had that
2: red the stripe. Umbra,
3: um, there was the umbral one and the Le teeth one, the red one. The red shirts that we have, I think, they're just very plain, which which I like. I wouldn't get, as I say, I would never have got away with fancy shirts. That's why I probably told Bushead, the kit man, that we should wear that green one. But no, the green one was horrific. Horrific. <laughs> it was a lot of, I never had the style to pull it off. Maybe other people would tell you definitely, but no, no, nah, that, was, that was horrific.
2: <laughs> I mean going beyond your time at Carlisle. I mean, you started your career uh, with with hearts. I mean, I, I I like hearts colours for a football shirt. I reckon they they've always made quite cool shirts over the years. Do you have a favorite just throughout your career of, of just a shirt that maybe it just reminds you of your of your best informed time at a club or or something like that? A lucky shirt, maybe?
3: Well, probably if you think back, I had my most success at Carlisle, you know. Obviously, with the two seasons. When I was at Bournemouth, we had the uh, promotion. I won the championship with St Johnston. So, maybe looking back, I actually don't know too bad on a blue top, didn't I? I think all the clubs that were just wearing, wearing blue. Uh, nah, I, I never really... I just always... This might sound bad, but I never... I just treated like it was a work. It's work. We were working. And it was a workshop, and... Uh, the training gear if I think back to all the training stuff that we had the Carlyle training gear was a different class the Lecoq Sportif stuff even the Umbro stuff to be fair was a different class we got we got thousands of I was, I was amazed when I walked in it was like Aladdin's <laughs> cave and we were like we were giving all sorts of stuff but no uh, no that's a, strip, a strip's a strip at the end I, I think it's different if you're a supporter if you're a supporter and you you wear it all the time. I'm not saying I wore it right, every Saturday, but you know what you know, you know what I mean? People like yourself supporting Khalil, you I'm not saying you'd appreciate the shot, but it's more that yeah you, you probably look at it differently.
2: Yeah.
3: You like the design, you'll like you maybe like the collar. you You'll maybe not like something. But I think as players you just it's part of your work routine so you just wear it and go on with it. Yeah, unless it's yeah. that green one unless it's that deck chair one
2: <laughs> it's, every single time I've interviewed um, another Carlisle fan for the podcast they're either wearing the deck chair kit or it's in the background on the wall somewhere I'll tell you what we'll do when
3: you yeah. come off the, you, send me, it's, I'll send you an email you can send me your address and I'll send you mine oh mine does, mine does wow, a, mine thing, right? oh, wow seen, that'd be amazing I I've only got two shot. I think that that deck chair one and I've still got my millennium shot. My millennium shirt that we wore against as we spoke about earlier against Swans. I've got mm-hmm.
2: them. Oh well you've got you've got so, to keep something for yourself, haven't you? But yeah, you know,
3: thank you. Thank you so much. I've, so I've, I've always good. got I've always got my debut top. I keep I keep well, my debut top I always gave that with my first game I always give I gave that away and I kept I kept the rest. But when I spoke to yourself in June actually I don't. I don't really know if this is to be. Uh, well, you can. I, I don't know if you know. This might be an exclusive, but we're actually all meeting. We're, a, we're actually all meeting up in June for a reunion. Oh wow! Uh, Lummy, Lummy's been on the phone, and actually we've been asked. I don't know. Lummy was because we've got a chat. There's a player. He spoke about someone. I will actually text you. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll we're actually playing a game uh, we're all playing in it the actual squad I even think uh, I even think Zegar's coming over to play what? I don't know if Glenn Murray I don't know if Glenn Murray's playing and I don't know if Kean Westwood's playing it all depends on their, their status obviously we're a lot older but we're all playing a game and I don't know if it's at Penrith or it's, it's uh, we're actually meeting for a night out and we we're going to get a reuni- a reunion and be together we're all going to meet somewhere but Lummy was actually on the the, the chat saying it's to raise money and he, Lummy, Lummy got asked to play a, to get a team together so he's asked all of us to play so we're all going to play so <laughs> there, there, that's one for you
2: that's awesome <laughs> make, make so- that's amazing oh that sounds like an amazing event wow that just came about off Lumston, just, just messaging everyone, is it? You've got a bit of a group chat going now on the old WhatsApp, have uh,
3: you? <laughs> I've got a, a WhatsApp group, yeah. And, oh, uh, yeah.
2: <laughs>
3: What's it called? Yeah. I, I don't even know. <laughs> uh, Winners. <laughs> Kaleel Reunion. I think, I think it's just Kaleel Reunion. Okay. Like, he just actually messaged, he messaged me once and he just says, obviously, phone number and they added me to the group chat. And we were just talking about having a, a reunion. I think, is it what is it, is it 20 years or something? 20, 20, 20 years or maybe a long oh, time? Really 15 years. And he says uh, he fancied getting us all the, together again. And we were just talking about, is it this May or June? We spoke about obviously meeting up together and just having a night out and just obviously catching up. So everybody had agreed to, to do it. And then he said, he came back on the chat saying that he, for some person he's he's fallen ill or something, and they're going to raise funds. and He was asked to put a squad together, a team together. So he put on the chat if we fancied it. So we're all going to play. I don't know how we'll, how long we'll play or how long we'll last, but <laughs> i are all going to. Play. Oh, that sounds so amazing. Tested. Bring
2: you back over to Australia. <laughs> oh wow Yeah that'll be something I heard he He came back over To the UK and The last time around The Carlisle job Was available uh, He actually interviewed For it I don't suppose You managed to get A visit in Did you? While he was in the UK I Haven't seen him In a while no, no, Maybe I'm not, I'm
3: not. I speak I speak I speak to him Through social media uh, Through uh, Like LinkedIn And Twitter And things like that Just the odd comments And things like that Where We do things like that But Nah, no, I'm not. I'm not.
2: really seen anybody since we uh, since we split up. Beautiful, right, Derek? I've got one more for you, mate. If that's okay, buddy. Right, um, nah, there you go. All right, fantastic. If uh, you could take the prime Derek Holmes and compare him to somebody from the current stock. Of uh, top Premier League, European, Champions League players, who do you, who have you seen um, that you think, oh, he's, he's in my shadow, that boy, or he's in my elk, <laughs> I, 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 he looks like he, he looks like a different version of me. I enjoy watching him because he reminds me of myself. Is there anyone like that for you?
3: Him that reminds me of myself. No, I think the game's so changed now. I'd love to see, I'd love to see Halland, I'd love to see him because he's tall, but nah. He's, he's, he's decent. Somebody that's strong. Maybe Ben Takey or something. Maybe say something like that. he's strong. Physical. But the game's kind of changed. It's a vote. I've seen that. A lot of the kind of polar strikers are coming back now, aren't they? The...
2: Glenn Murray. We'll say Glenn Murray, I will we'll say, say Glenn Murray. Glenn Murray. <laughs> <laughs> Top quality, mate. Thank you very much. That is Derek Holmes, what? mate. I hope you enjoyed it, mate. Thank you.
3: Oh, fantastic. Thanks very much.
2: Thanks a lot, mate. Thanks a lot. And um, I'll give you a message and uh, we'll, I'll hopefully yeah. catch up with you again soon.
3: No, just text me anytime. What I'll do is, if you give me the details and all that, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know the the ongoing process of this uh, football match. And
2: All right, mate. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that, mate. Really appreciate it. Really no appreciate worries. your time.
3: No, mate, right. Keep in touch. Keep in touch.
2: Absolutely, mate. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Enjoy the rest of your day. Bye for now, mate. Bye. Bye. And that is it. That was our 1st X ex-pro interview. Thank you very much to Derek Holmes. Like he's already said, he's up for doing another show. So if you've got questions that I didn't ask Derek, and there's a lot of questions I didn't ask Derek, because, you know, he's a very interesting man. He's had a very interesting life, and there's just not enough time in the day to ask him all the questions. So if you've got some good questions, for example, I'd like to know a little bit more about the iBefa. Tournament. that was Kevin McDonald's first season with the club where we mentioned a little bit uh, we touched on it just for a second saying that Kevin didn't want to go but I'm sure there's some great stories about that tournament that would be worth listening to so yeah if you've got questions that you'd like to ask Derek for a fan forum style episode that we'll be doing in a couple of weeks please send those questions to Pod at gmail.com that is the Blue Army Pod at gmail.com and also if you've got a joke of the week that you'd like to send me that's the place to send that as well you can do it as a voice note and I'll literally just take that voice note and throw it into the episode or write it down write your name down um, write something nice down and I'll, I'll do a joke and I'll read a little message for you and um, yeah you know we like to keep the show as positive as we possibly can so thank you very much for joining us I really hope you enjoyed our first interview and as per tradition on the blue army podcast we sign off with a bit of music from a locally sourced band and this week it is the reptilians and they have probably um oh, i know it's horrible to play favorites but so far this is probably my favorite track to play out on so Without further ado, this is the Reptilians and their track, New Bewes and Broken Fruities. Hope you enjoy it and I'll see you next week where I think me and Wills are planning on talking about our transfer targets and some of the free agents that have been released over the last couple of weeks since the League 2 season has finished and how some of those free agents might slot in to our team next year so i look forward to that and i look forward to seeing you lot all again hearing you lot all again no wait i don't get it what do you do when you've got a podcast do you look forward to having all of you lovely people back again is that is that how you sign off for a podcast i don't know i've just i've forgotten how to podcast all of a sudden I just, do you know what bye for now
0: Said you've got no motivation, and such that is above your station. Ooh. So I said, in mitigation, I've been heavily sedated. days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
1: Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details.
0: This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.